Welcome to All Up In Your Business Podcast, a place where two opinionated siblings come together to discuss black mental health issues in a raw, honest, and in-your-face manner. I'm Lovely. And I'm Light. Come with us as we explore black mental health highs, lows, and what the who do the eyes, ears, and mind of two siblings who are recovering every day, or at least trying to. Sit back and be prepared to shake your head, laugh, cry, and scream. Right. Let's begin the journey. This is your girl, Lovely. And this is your boy, Light. And today we'll be talking about love, communication, and connection. On All Up In Your Business podcast. We need a song. Like, chicka, 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 woo, woo. No, maybe not that. No, no, no. That's too far. No, no, no. That's what we're working with our man Thomas on. (laughs) We supposed to be getting to that, please. All the work in progress. All the work in progress. I'm about to make me become a... Well, no, we just need Rebel. We can be a part-time. Like, can you DJ us a song? He probably could give us, like, a good mix. Like, but we need something that nobody else has. has. Yes, yes. Wow. Like, how are we going to do that? We could be done. We need no loops. No loops. <laughs> Nobody's well, song. Sampling that. No. You're sampling something every time, but you can sample things, so. We want to sample line dance on a song. <laughs> anybody know it? No. Anyway, so, anywho. Yes. Good people. Thank you for joining us this week as we talk about, as my sister Lovely said, love, communication, and connection. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, while we were uh, recording a podcast talking about the pursuit of perfection, it broke into a conversation on perfection in relationships and all kinds of different talks. So we, we, we inevitably had to walk down this path of uh, the mental well-being and the mental health of what it means to be in, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as we, you know, we started to research and doing some things and uh, we, we're going to be doing a live show with the Mixed Station crew uh, coming up soon. Um, but we wanted to sit down and just discuss some principles that we have applied, some things that we've gone through, some hits and misses on love, some hits and misses on communication, uh, as well as connection. Uh, the journey of being in uh, long-term relationships, even for those who recognize and see the successes of the relationship, uh, there's it's a long journey and there are many uh, highs and lows and what the... as you kind of go through the process so uh this week on this podcast we're going to be talking and 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 unpacking uh some things in our lives and and having some discussions uh that we've had with our spouses that our spouses have had with us and you'll hear from my sister's perspective as well as mine yeah and i think that that's a good way to do it i was um looking through podcasts on youtube Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, everybody has something about love and relationships. I but... just going to say love and hip hop. <laughs> no, I don't watch that. I just can't do it. <laughs> I, know. I, I know. can't I'm do just... it. I can't watch black people take themselves down like that. I just can't. But um, I was look, just kind of, you know, I'm always looking at the market to make sure, you know, see what we, what we can do, what we can refresh in different things. And mm. again, like we've always done, us being sister and brother is just a dynamic that's so very different. Mm-hmm. And most of the love relationship or with people who were in it, even even if either it was an ex or a married couple, something like that. And I think our our difference is one, we've been in relationships forever. Ever, ever, 
Forever, ever, forever, ever. Um, so some of our things, you know, like you said, some of it will come off a little different than other people who may be entering into relationships now or didn't start dating until they were, you know, in their 20s or, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I do know just in doing research with this, the difference in when you start dating. Yes. You know, because once you get to know yourself and you start building expectations for yourself, that's kind of a, a life lesson ordeal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure that if we would have met our spouses or the people that we're married to, um, I mean, or even people that we would have decided to date in our 20s and 30s, they would have gotten a completely different person than they got when we were all in. Because I know when I was younger, I was all in. Because I didn't have any expectations of what a relationship looked like except for Pretty Woman. Because, of course, you know, I was just... I watched that movie the other day, dude. Again, I watched it. And I was like, wow. I was completely blown by the... Low jo- I didn't even know. I was like, oh, they're looking at I love Lucy and they're in love. I totally missed the whole like, oh, oh, okay. Now that I'm older, I'm like, there was the sex? I just, you know? the about. I, yeah, you're right. I told you, it took me a long time to realize that she was a prostitute. I was like, she's so pretty. That was wrong. Wrong like. I needed somebody to come in and be like... But you know, but that's the funny thing about it. I think that the perception of love or the projection of the projection or what we try to project on people when it comes to love, I think that's something that everybody will be able to relate to regardless of the length of our relationships because I think that at least I, I, I told myself I was going to just speak about me without mm-hmm. insulting anyone or else. without trying to insult anyone else or mm-hmm. even even trying to insult my wife in the process because um, when you're discussing and you're being open about how you perceive and view love and how you perceive and view a relationship, it's from your perspective mm. that you've decided to, you know, now open up and connect with someone. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care whether you started when you were young or if you started later on in life this whole process about who we are and who or who we have become is something that you choose to share with someone that you choose to share love with or choose mm. to be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. So that being what it is, we'll just talk about some of those principles and some of those yeah. things. I remember for me, the first time I truly um, had this idea of what I thought black love looked like, it was the episode of um, A Different World where um, what's her name? Whitley was getting married, and um, Dwayne broke into the wedding, and he's like standing around, and he's like, "Baby, please!" And she's like trying to decide if she wants to be married to like this diplomat who has all this money, or quote unquote, with the broke guy that she loved before. Her emotions, you know, and that like emotion that pulled back and forth, and. Kenny and I used to always laugh and joke because he would say something like, you know, if you could marry a guy with money, you know, what would you do that? I said, I'm going to take the guy who's, I said, I'm going to take the sanitary worker all day. And I used to say that way before like life really just dictated what was ever going to happen. I said, because I'm just looking for the, the connection of us raising our children and growing our lives together. I didn't need anybody to like pull me up. 
I wanted us to like walk that walk together. Yeah. You yeah. know? And I used to say all the time, I'm like, I always thought to myself, I'm like, this tell you where it was. I was like, I want like a husband and we can make like if we can make each make sixty thousand dollars, we'll be like paid. And then we can live in a row house. I said, and I want a fence, but not a white picket fence. I want like a nice yard and a little dog and I want like a kid or two. I was like, and I want us to just like fight the world together. That was my idea of what like the my family was gonna look mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. You know? It was never like the rich guy or the guy who could take care of everything. Because I figured if we're married, we're taking care of each other. Yeah. It's, you know? It's a duel. It's a duel. But which your the idea of what you have for love and what life really gives you is very different sometimes. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. I totally agree. I think one, I didn't have <clears throat> I don't think I had a perception of love. I just knew, and from early on, from an early age, I wanted to be in a relationship. I always had this thought of wanting to be received for who I was. One of the things that I wanted, and I, you know, I, I referenced this in one of our first podcasts, was I wanted a child because I used to look at uh, different individuals and the love that that child would look at a parent with. And so I wanted the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Trisha and I, when we met and, you know, quote unquote, we fall in love real quick as, as, as much as you could fall in love as a teenager. Because we were in love. You yeah, couldn't right. tell us nothing. Yes, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, you know, she, she you know, she, we, DeAsia wasn't an accident. DeAsia was, we, we chose to have a child as teenagers. And, and choosing to have a ch- child as a, excuse me, mm. Uh, excuse me. And choosing to have a child. <laughs> He's still alive, you guys. And choosing to have a child as a teenager, you don't realize that the love that that the loving look in a child's eyes is so different than all of the responsibilities that come with it. Mm. And so early on in our love relationship, I think that what I was looking for was to be that unconditional love that comes from a child. But when you're entering into a relationship with someone else, was that absolute? Was that consideration given to that person that this is absolutely what we what we are going to have and what we want to be? And I don't think that that's something that I was kind of thinking about or thinking of. The one thing I did know early on was the moment that I started that we started dating, and the moment that like I'm talking about within the first few weeks, she was number one. Trisha was number one right from the beginning. She was the person that. I had friends who were like, well, you knew me longer. You knew us longer. And, you know, you spend it like, yeah, but you're not her. Mm-hmm. And you're doing so-and-so. And it's like, man, I can't believe you wilding out and you're doing it. No, I'm not. No, I wasn't sprung. I wasn't any of those things. It's just like, this. she's just now my priority. Yeah, we and both lost just, friends. Yeah, it, was just, it was just clear there. I mean, those friends came back around because I didn't kind of dislike them. But I think they kind of had this this thought. And that what they tried, they, they tried to do the divide thing of, like, yo, it's us or it's like, it's, that's not a choice. I said me. I had already come to this place in my life, even at 18 or at 17, because I was 17 at the time. At 17, when I told you, I'd already got to this place of me being regular and, and enjoying being myself. So someone trying to d- divide us by talking about how loyal they have been to me, I could replay our friendship and mm-hmm. I could replay all those things that I didn't have with them mm-hmm. that... Uh, even in the beginning, we were deciding to build and it was just the connection that was just pure and that was good. So that was something that we enjoyed. <laughs> and so 
that being a part of my process, I think I didn't, like I said, it was no love story, but the definite desire to have a love connection was there. And we'll be back. And we're back. <laughs> All right. Where do we leave off? Oh, I was supposed to say, who taught you how to love? Who taught me how to love? You know, that's interesting, sir. Not going to speak for general the general public of guys. Um, Lauren Hill taught you how to love. Not even close to my new girl. Get out of here. <laughs> nah, that was not. Uh, odd enough. Um, uh, that's a that's a funny question, and I hate for the awkward moment of silence on a podcast. But right? no, I mean, but just, I don't think. But like, that's the thing. Think, like you have to be honest and like. I think like I can tell you the first people I loved. I don't know if anybody taught me how to love. The first people I loved was my mother, and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. The people who mattered the most to me was my mother, was my grandmother. My grandmother and I were very close, like you said. But my grandmother and grandmother weren't like lovey dovey type of individuals. My grandmother was brick city. She was tough, and for her being smart and sarcastic and saying what she meant was who she was. Um, she wasn't. I, I did not consider my grandmother mean. I considered her. My grandmother was. I considered my grandmother street. Now, other people may have. I just said okay. I didn't. I was going to say. Because Trisha just thought my mother, grandmother was just straight evil. She not e like evil and doing wrong to you, but just like she say whatever out of her mouth that she wants to say. So I would say that um, I... Uh, So I don't. I don't know if anybody. I haven't looked at anybody particularly teaching me love. I think uh, I told you it, it innately for me. I always wanted to be in relationships, and I always wanted to. I had a desire to be in relationships, and I remember. Now I remember the first time being infatuated with a young lady, and I remember other people in the neighborhood liking her, and for whatever reason, she chose to be with me. And when she chose to be with me, not realizing at the time she liked to make you know people jealous, things of that nature. Um, but I remember being with this young lady, she, you know, and me, I was just infatuated. I wasn't even, it wasn't love, but because she was so-called popular and I, mm. you know, and, and at, at this young age that I was, I really was into her to the point of calling her every day when she got home from school or calling. And it was just this weird, so that wasn't love. I think love. that's a cool thing. I mean, you got you stages of love or stages of, stages of like. Let yeah, me say like, that. I was just because that was not love. Yeah, that was just, that was life. just infatuation. I would think. The first time I, like I say, and, and how to love, the first, and once again, even prior to Trisha, I was, I didn't have it. I think I had a, 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 a girlfriend prior to me meeting Trisha. Um, and when I had her, we started out being friends. I saw she was a Nate, she was my neighbor. She had boyfriends, she, or just a couple of boyfriends prior to me. And one time, one of her boyfriends, I think, Broke, she was broke her heart, so she left and was moving away because her father lived in Texas. And so when she was moving away, uh, her and I would spend a lot of time with each other. And we would watch movies. We would do all of the things that she didn't didn't do with her boyfriend. Mm. <laughs> and so, but we were just friends. And so while we were there, I had this idea. I think I was quote unquote getting emotions, and I did get emotions for her. But at the emotions I was getting. But I consider it love at the time. Yeah, I, I would consider it love. It was a very strong like. Let me call it a very strong like. You Twitter paid it. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was very a very <laughs> strong like. But after that, she went away to Texas. 
Um, and I remember going to the airport with her and her family and it was, you know, uh, she, she actually, and I still have the letter to this day, which is funny. She gave me a friend letter and it was not like an insult. It was just a very cool letter about what friendship was and all of the things that I meant to her as a friend. Now I know a guy like I'd be like, I, I want to be more than a friend, things of that. But the reason that it mattered to me was because friendship was something, once again, remember relationships. Mm -hmm. So relationships mattered. Mm -hmm. So when you, when I saw all of those things and for me to, I have this box of old pictures and stuff like that. And so in that box is that letter. I still believe it's in that box. Um, but that was just one of the cool things. And so I kept it, but she went away, stayed for like a couple of months. Then she came back because she didn't like it down there. So when she came back, she came back and we came, she came back and we were in a relationship mm -hmm. and a relationship, um, turned into, you know, uh, it was, it was good. And, you know, it was kind of what I wanted it to be, but it was just, it was, I think I was still in a, a down period or something in my life, like school wasn't going the way I wanted it to. So it wasn't, it was just like a friendship that developed into a relationship that sh probably should have stayed a friendship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I don't think that taught me love. I think it kind of set me up for bad things because being a guy and still not seeing love and not knowing what love, like how, how to love properly. I went from that to she, she eventually, uh, I wouldn't say she left me. I walked in her little sister opened the door one day and I walked into a room and her and another guy was in the room. They weren't doing anything, but that still didn't matter. It pissed me off to all pissed off. That was like the crushing of everything. And it was so funny because when I walked in on them, she was fell asleep doing homework. He was just laying there. And when I walked in, I kind of like tapped her, looked at him, just tapped her because my beef really wasn't with him. Yeah. And so she jumps up with this horrified look on her face of like, oh, crap. And when she says, oh, crap, like she doesn't know what to do. And so me being, once again, like I said, I'm in this funny space in my life. I'm starting to say to her. I'm gonna kill myself. And I'm just saying these things and she starts to panic. Now I'm realizing, and I already know, I'm only saying this so she can quote unquote stay with me. I'm not gonna kill myself. I'm not gonna harm myself at all. Like it was no real thought of that. But as I'm saying- But that crazy initial kind of love-like, love-like, that like that looks like love. No, I would say it was love. It was early, it was early no, love. No, 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 but, but it's a difference now that we're older. You know yeah. what it looks like. Not that it's not love. Mm -hmm. But it's more like love. Yeah, than, I agree. You know what I mean? Like it makes you say some shit because you like you you want the reaction of. Yeah, you want the. I, well, no, your brother was like you. We're intuitive. I knew if I said that because we probably had conversations about things that, and when you're a teenager and school is not going the way you're going, you want it to go. You can you you'll face depression, mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I was I was I know I probably now I can look at it and say. I was probably depressed for what I was more than likely depressed for what was going on in my school life and not fulfilling my potential mm -hmm. and not living up to what I know I could accomplish in school. And so with having her there, she was, I was more or less, she was being, I was using her as a substitute for what I needed to accomplish. And so when I said this, because she had, we had had conversations. That shit her, was deep. Her, 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 immediate, her immediate thought was, her immediate thought was, oh man, if I leave him, it's going now, I'm knowing, like I say, I know I'm not going to do anything to myself. But when this happens, uh, as she jumps up, we go into their kitchen and I'm saying, I say it about two or three more times. And then I start laughing. 
because I already know I really don't need it. And she looks at me. Because now you look crazy. Exactly. Now I look crazy. <laughs> and she said, you okay? I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm not going to kill myself, man. And she said, you sure? I said, I said, this type of stuff happened on happy days all the time. Why happy days? I don't know. But I said. But we were so was great like, with the punchlines yeah, back in the day. It's like. It, but cause, no, but because it, it does, and like that's where I saw. That's where you, you saw. Shotty loves yeah. Joni and yeah. all that stuff, and the little heartbreak. So it's like. So you stuff, get a little bit from it, even yeah. though you don't. Yeah. That's not what you think about, but like. But that's the thought that yeah. came out. And so once I said that, I kind of left. I we, we we broke up. I left. I went home. And when I went home, I remember walking across. This walking across. It was the Guilford. It was over 83. It wasn't like a bridge bridge, but it was a bridge over 83 to get back home. And I laughed at myself, like, talking about killing yourself. That hell is wrong yeah, with like, And I laughed, at, I, I, I laughed at myself. And I went on. And, and, and now several months after, like, maybe that happened right in September of 89 or somewhere like that. Then, like I say, a few months later, um, a friend of mine, she introduced me to Trisha. And when she introduced me to Trisha, that's when our relationship started. So, I think that even even as I was going into that relationship with Trisha, prior to that, because and this is where the how to love, I think I was learning the love, but I was learning it in dysfunctional ways. And the reason mm -hmm. that this is important is because right after I broke up with her, I just didn't go from her to Trisha. There was, like I say, September. So from September to February, I was in four. This was the see, I was in four different. You were hotastic. It was. It was not. It was not a good period. He was a hotastic. Because love. I was quote unquote heartbroken. So you were rebounding I, everywhere. So, but I had female like my buddies who had their girlfriends. Like I was friends with my buddies' girlfriends. So all of them would love talking to me about their mm -hmm. boyfriends. Not in a bad way, but just we would mm -hmm. have conversations. There. So each one of them like I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. Mm. And so all of the hookups turned into what the kids call hookups <laughs> now. So all of them turned into hookups. But none of them were real for me. And it was the, the sad or the messed up part was as I'm doing these different things, I was brutal. I was not like I was still just like how we're very honest and very straightforward. So even at that time, like I know entering into each one of these, I wasn't looking for a girlfriend. None of them were right. And I would same line, the same come over the house and same I'm a cookie breakfast and the same, all of the same routine. And each one would do the same thing. And then once we would do it, and I was like, eh, I'm kind of done. <laughs> and then it's like, go home in the cab. It was one period before, <laughs> this was so funny. It was sad. But it was one period where it was three friends. And one of the friends hooked me up with her friend. And then her friend who was dating my cousin and my boy, they, the friend that she hooked me up with talked to them. I got the friend. I got the girl that was dating my cousin. And I got the original girl who hooked me up with the two of them who was dating my boy. And said nothing because I was that far just when I and I laugh. I'm not laughing at. I was that far messed up. Like cause yeah. in my mind, it was just like and there was nothing. It was no, and it meant and it meant absolutely nothing each time. And it was just empty. And it was just actions to do. It was not a good place. And I'm not saying that thinking from now. Even then, it meant nothing to me then. Mm -hmm. And so even when all of it broke off or anyone, be like, okay, I'm cool. And it never meant anything to me. And I think the last or the final straw for me, right before I met Trisha, this was, like I say, a five or six month period. I was, this, I had another, I was just, it was bad. It was sad. And I think, I don't know if this is many guys or what, but what, after this little run through all of these dumb chicks, 
They weren't dumb. They, no, I'm not saying that dumb for me. It wasn't dumb for them. I'm not okay. telling they, they were they were vulnerable. They were just like me. They were just looking for yeah. whatever they were looking for. Yeah. So I'm not calling them dumb like something was wrong. When I say that, it was dumb because none of it meant anything. And yeah. it was just it was just it was it was wasteful. It was things, yeah. yeah. It was just it was, it was it a was, thing to do. It was a pointless time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was one young lady, a friend, she wasn't my type, she didn't even she wasn't pretty, she wasn't anything. And Sorry, the vanity of guys is what it is. No, what you do, what you got to do. No, but I'm saying it was just. I'm not yeah. trying to like. It's not even an insult. It's just that was. But, it wasn't your preference. Yeah, it wasn't my preference. She wasn't bad looking, but she just wasn't on my list. And so when she, uh, when she, I was introduced to her. Uh, she was. She said, showed some interest, and a girl was like, "Hey, my cousin like you." I'm like I do it. <laughs> That's how bad I was. I'm like I do it. So did her for a couple of, and I think like she, she exactly your brother was not in a good spot, and so I made it out. <laughs> and so I, 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 we, I hit her, and she lived right around the corner, so she wasn't like somebody who lived outside the neighborhood like many of the other ones. So I, I hit her a couple of times, and then she was telling people I was a bo boyfriend. I was like, I ain't never say I was a boyfriend. I, I never was using that term. Yeah. And then uh, what I did was. I knew I was, and this is the funny thing, at that young age, I felt empty. I felt hollow. All of those actions, I felt hollow. And I remember sitting down talking to this. She was a friend of mine. She was a girlfriend of mine. Not my girlfriend, but a friend of mine who was a girl. And I remember telling her, like, I was sad. I was still sad as this 17-year-old. I'm smiling. It's freaking 17. I'm sad as this 17-year-old with doing all of these actions. And mind you, even while I'm doing all this, it's not like I'm going around telling my boys like, yo, I'm hitting this shit. Yeah, this, was, is, this is not I'm, for notches I'm, in your belt. Yeah, I'm not saying anything to any of the guys that I'm hanging out with that I'm doing this. Like, none of them knew that this is what I was doing. None of them were like around. Like, this is just. You were a <laughs> phantom in the night. So I'm just doing this Captain stuff. Captain save a And their friends just, they, their girlfriends took me up. But I'm not saying anything to anyone. I remember one buddy was like, yo, how did you pull off the. She introduced you to that friend. And don't ask did, questions. I like, can't tell you. I don't and know. I was like, bro, I'm not. Like, it was just, it was what it was. And so, long, longer story short, as I always say, I go to my friend and I tell her, I'm, um, I said, I said. I'm a recovering yeah, addict. No, I just, I wasn't <laughs> recovering. Could have been. But I was just, I was saddened by, like, none of that stuff was making me happy. And okay. that's what I knew. I knew at that, that age, like, this was just not what I wanted. And so, um, I wanted to meet someone. I wanted to meet a person. I wanted to meet somebody that I could have a relationship with. Those weren't relationships. Those were just acts. And so it mm -hmm. meant nothing to me at the age. So at this time, she pulls out this picture. Um, I can show it to you on my phone, but I, I keep it on there. But she pulls out this picture of Trisha, shows me the picture of Trisha. I was like, oh, she nice looking. And I was like, she looked pretty. Uh, quote, unquote, my type, because she was. And yep, I do have a type. Everybody <laughs> so, does. She was my type. And in her being my type, I was like, all right, I'll meet her. And I remember calling her on February 12th, 1990. It, I want to say it was, a, it was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday, a Tuesday night. And I remember, you know, laugh, getting her to laugh on the phone and, you know, giggle and things of that nature. And also at night, by the time we hit nine o'clock, her mother made her get off the phone. <laughs> I live that life. I live that life. As a good mother should. And she made her get off the phone. And uh, that, that that next day we talked. That next then we talked again. And uh, on the fifteenth, February fifteenth, my birthday. That was the first day I saw her in nineteen ninety. We hung out, went to the movies, and then the rest was history. And we just took off. And 
I knew it then. I, um, I, I would even say I knew it when we were on the phone that I, that she was not, it was different. And so when we were together, like we, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, like we spent that whole weekend hanging out. And then it was like, and it was funny. I had never bought anybody anything for Valentine's Day. I met her on February 12th. I bought her something for Valentine's Day on the 14th in he was, 1990. He was in rapture. But, he was in rapture. See, so, the, that's how I learned. That's how I learned. Like, I, who taught me love? I don't know if anybody taught me love, but that's how I arrived at wanting to love. I would say I always wanted to be in a relationship. I didn't. I, I would. I didn't want to be. I couldn't be a hoe. And when you brought up the whole song "Big Pimpin'," it was funny because when my buddy used to say, I had a, bu a buddy who would always say, "Pimpin' ain't easy," and I would always look at him. I say, "But is it supposed to be though?" It's not. Okay. <laughs> so you see them shoes they gotta wear? <laughs> so, but that was see, and mine's is I guess mine's is different, A, because of the age difference. Mm -hmm. You know, per se. Um Yeah, because I did turn eighteen. Yes. At the time, yeah, I turned you know? yeah, from seventeen. So for me, my big thing was we had we had a lot of I was turning seventeen. I, I was sixteen when all that crap was going on. Since mm. I was raunchy, right? A little bit. Ninety, I turned seventeen. Your midriff was busy. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but go ahead. It's okay. it's okay, you got some things. You'd be like, "Hmm, you grabbed your pearls yourself." Yeah, I was did like, I do that? <laughs> "Was that me?" That's way too early. You know, but mine's was kind of the same, but a little bit different. Only because, like I said, you know, I had, <laughs> I didn't. My idea of love was kind of misstrued because, let's we. When you have no father figure, no male figure, mm -hmm. nobody mm -hmm. to kind of look up to. Because I had a, I had two uncles weren't looking up to them because they were out living. Like, even at a young age, I was like, that's not what I aspire to date. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I was around no one that I wanted. Like, when I looked at them, was like, oh, I would date that. No, mm -mm, no. I was very picky because in my head, I had this idea of the person that mm. I was going to date. And the funny thing is, I have my type. I've team light skin all day. Y'all can fight me. I don't care. But that was my thing because the truth is, is that no matter how much I dislike the actions of the person, I always thought that our father was a handsome person. And I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, did that come from him? Because mine came from my mother and my grandmother. I, yeah. People used to ask me that whole you got a type. And I'd be like, no, I don't. And and it was like, they would continue to say this. And I, like, people would ask me, try to figure out why my type was, what my type was. And then I had to realize the two women that That's I loved, that I yes. felt the most, that I, that, 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 when I say fell in love, but that I loved the most was my mother and my grandmother. And so I didn't realize that that, there is a how you could develop yes. a type. And I'm like, it's funny thing is, is that I always, it was funny. I, my rules were, I always wanted somebody who was taller than me. And I didn't mean like your nose came to like my temple, which is funny. But I'm like, I always wanted somebody who was taller than me because in my head, a taller man could protect you, you know, like a blanket. He mm -hmm. could make sure shit was okay, you know? <laughs> so that was my thing. I always, it's funny. I'm like, I've always loved light-skinned men, but it's even in my younger years, I've dated different complexions. But when I finally... I, my husband and I, we went to school together. So I saw him in sixth grade. He was an ass kid. He was one of those kids. He got kicked out. He had to go. He just came in starting fights. Like, he came in mad. 
in seventh grade, we <laughs> seventh grade, we used to talk almost every single night. But really, it's just as friends. I mean, like he had he lived in a house with his mom, his grandmother, and like the rest of the tribe of family. Mm-hmm. And they had one phone in the kitchen with the long cord that everybody extended had everywhere. That. Everybody had that. I was just saying, you didn't have multiple phones. One phone may have been in someone else's room, but it was that one phone I had in the a kitchen. phones because my mom and them were crazy. Nope, we had the phone in the kitchen, and then, like you say, it could stretch to the living room. <laughs> it just went around. And everybody would pass. And his yep. grandmother had a phone in her bedroom. That's what I'm saying. My grandmother yeah. had one in her room, but it was the phone downstairs. Yeah. And a phone in my grandmother's And room, we and would talk it. and talk and fall asleep. And I, I remember one night I hear his mom go, hello. And I, hello, because I had fallen asleep. Kenny, Kenny's gone to bed now. It's time to hang up the phone. I said, okay. But I thought his mother was mean as shit. Not because she did anything to me, but because, damn, your mother got on the phone. Because like, that was a lot, you know. But I remember thinking to myself, no. Because t- seventh grade, no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Because in my head, you don't go to school with people that you date. Bless you. Excuse me. Um, you don't go to school with people that you date. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't... It was something in me was like, you can't fall in love with somebody with distraction. That was just my thought mm-hmm. back in the day. Which is funny, because I still feel like that. I feel like when it's, you have people around who want to mingle in your shit, it doesn't allow you to have time to get to know each other. Yeah. And we all, you know, went Agreed. to school together. But in between that time, I mean, like I told you before, you know, I knew that I wanted a boyfriend because everybody had a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend, too. But (laughs) I was too outspoken. I listened to what my mom had to say. And if you were going to try to date me, you were going to know what you were going to come be around my mom. Like my mom had to be a part of it because if she didn't like you, you were out. Shout out to Pat Jacobs. Just saying, she, I mean, she and she had she was opinionated, as we know. <laughs> she has she has things to say, and I remember my father met Kenny a long time ago, and he looked at him and he was like, "I like him. He light skin," and like walked off. Like that was a fucking line. Like really, because he light skin, that made him like a okay. That's like literally the only time he really talk, he ever spoke to my husband mm. once. So, you know, I'm kind of glad about that because I don't need none of his shit in his head. He got his own <laughs> shit to deal with. Yeah. But um, I think for me, when, as we started dating, I like, even at 14, I, I went all in. Because my thought was, when you love somebody, you give like your whole everything. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how to back down. I didn't know how to be reserved with what I was feeling on the inside. Like, it felt like whatever was inside of me, it was going to come out no matter what, Mm -hmm. you know? So, but the flip side to that is, is that when you are, when you decide to date somebody who isn't all the way together, I can look back now at our relationship and see where things were crazy or see where the broken parts were already showing themselves. Yeah. But when you're so young, you adapt so easily, you know, to the, that's, I can, I can see how when people say, you know, we we started dating when we were 12 or 13. And you're like, y'all been dating for 40, 50 years. Because when you're so young, you're adaptable. You're still malleable. You can move mm-hmm, within mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. crazy to find the happy place. Because, you you know, I always used to say, whenever I used to close my eyes for a long time, I still saw my, like, 18-year-old boyfriend, husband's face, body, and his voice. Mm-hmm. It's changed over the years. 
But like, he'll look at me and he's like, your face just stayed the same. But I know my face hasn't stayed the same, but it's what you see. You know, when you finally hit that place where you just loved somebody, mm-hmm. that's what you, you're attracted to, that part. But for me, what I've learned, and to our next question, what are your requirements for love? I didn't have any requirements for love. For myself or other people. That's a lie. I wanted you to, I wanted to be with somebody who was kind. I didn't want somebody I didn't want anybody who was abusive. I knew mm-hmm. that. I that yeah. No drugs. Mm-hmm. Period. And I didn't want somebody who was who wanted to change me. I didn't know who I was, but I knew that I didn't want somebody who was going to inflict who they were on me to make me a different person. Hmm. But I also knew that I didn't want to be with somebody who changed just because I asked them to. Like, I wanted to have a conversation about why we were changing and why love was changing and why the love that we had on Tuesday was different on Friday and different in six months. You know, so I'm like, my requirements for love, I didn't have a lot of structure with that because... My mom was was free with her love, but I never saw her. She was in relationships, but they, they, those weren't shared relationships. Mm-hmm. You know how like if you if your parent loves somebody and somebody loves your parent, even if they're not yours, and you get to see them go out on dates and you get to see them interact with each other in a very kind way, mm-hmm. you get some picture. My mom was, these are my children. They're no concern of you. We are dating, but you're not dating my kids. Yeah. So there was never really a lot of interaction when I was younger with that. Father, no father, whoever it was. It was always, we're family, my mom, my uncle, my brother, my grandmother, and we had like the aunties or whatever. But like the core yeah. was just us. So I didn't really have any requirements for love because love to me at that young age, it just was. Like your mom loved you and she fed you. And she made sure that you were safe. She didn't ask you how you were feeling because she didn't have time to ask you that shit. But that's just the way it was. So did you have any requirements for love when you and Trish got together? Just simple. I had one. Except except me for me. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any other requirements. Mm -hmm. I wasn't moving. Like there was no be this or except me for me. And as long as you could do that, if I felt comfortable being myself in front of you and you accepted that, that was my requirement. And when we got together, like I say, that those those first few months and that first week was for me magical. And it was one that I was I, I was totally me. I didn't feel like I could not be me with her. So my requirement at that age was just to be accepted for me. And we'll be back. And we're back. You see how I did that? And we're back. And we are. And and you set it up and you cued this thing perfectly. My lovely sister, lovely. Yes. And as we were talking about this this love communication and connection thing, she whether she intended to or not. Because I'm sure you thought about me when you picked the song. And you were thinking about the whole love concept. But I totally thought about you. Because this was that song, man. This was the song that everybody, at least 
everybody in my world. And everybody in my world. Because you knew, like, the funny thing is, is that it, you could be doing whatever you wanted to do. And when um, Mary Jane was like, like yeah. sweet morning doobie. And it's, when they came out with the rock version of that, you just felt like your whole chest was going to fall out. I was like, I'm all you need. Is that That's what you doing? I was rocking myself. I had the the um, little wop and everything going. But I think when, like when I... Oh, the song that we're referencing is You're All That I Need. But you guys knew when I said, Like sweet morning dew. There you go, go ahead. I took one look at you, and it was plain to see you were my destiny. Mm-hmm. That, I was like, I am. I'm all you need to get by. But then when you listen to like the whole thing. So I was like, okay. So we talk about, but that's what I said. I'm so like, you ain't going to give me a chance to wrap it up. Go ahead, wrap it up. No, I can't. Do it. Look, do it first. <laughs> do it. But you know you got to like head of arms. You oh, got to like head of arms. You got to bring that when you're doing that. That's you what's know? up, man. And you got to head like that. Because I don't know oh. why he had so much fit in his mouth. But like, no, listen, listen, I didn't did this song more than enough to know the song. Get out of here. Come on. I'm now. just letting you know. It was a lot. Like, it is. So it was I, a lot. You feel that. But go ahead. So You know, <laughs> but when you think about, so we both got into relationships in 90? 90. 1990. Okay. February 12th, 1994. And mine was June 14th. Well, the end of school year. And the funny thing is, is that when my um, now Lady, husband. That's Lady J's birthday, June 14th. That's funny. Stop playing. Oh, we <laughs> that's too <laughs> <laughs> He like. I told you, I'm, you know, I'm raising this, the city. He's raised, I still swear it's the city, but he was across the tracks over Rogers Avenue. It's okay. So he come at me with some, would you like to take a journey into a new relationship? And in my hood rap was like, I said, I don't know what you said. Can you just ask me right? And he said, you want to go together. <laughs> Go together. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, go okay. together. I'm sorry. Go, to, go together. But, yeah. you know. True, 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 true. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. Because I didn't even know how to accept like somebody coming to me. I'm like, what did he say? Well, why would he say it like that? Because you're so used to, you know, I'm like in the middle of craziness. And some guy starts, I'm like, so he reads and shit? Like, I hadn't gotten to that place in my life where your education was important to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do you hit people? Do you sell drugs? Is your anyone in your family touching other people in the family? Because I had just met people, and you know, people were going through that stuff in our neighborhoods, and they didn't talk about those things. So, like, I'm like, oh, check, check, no, 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 we good? All right. That's early on for a checklist. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. You know? But Method Man and Mary J. Blige. And I was like, whenever you read the words, would you like to read the words? Like, please, <laughs> give it to us. Just give us the first three you lines. You're trying to get me in my vibe, man. I'm you just saying. That. So, no, I just say, shorty, I'm there for you anytime you need me. For real, girl, it's me and your world. Believe me, nothing make a man feel better than a woman. Queen with the crown that be down for whatever. There are a few things that's forever. My lady, we can make war, make babies. Back when I was nothing, you made a brother feel like he was something. That's why I'm with you to this day, boo, no fronting. Even when the skies were great, you would rub me on my back and say, baby, it'll be okay and that's real to a brother like me baby never ever give my cootie away and keep it tight all right and i'm gonna walk this dog so i can live in a fat ass crab with thousands of kids 
Word life, you don't need a ring to be my wife. Just be there for me and I'ma make sure we be living in the effing lap of luxury. I'm realizing that you didn't have to funk with me, but you did. Now I'm going all out, kid. I'm a and I got mad love to give you my eager. You just mess with me up, man. You just doing too much. I'm sorry. Right I love it. It was great. I'm just saying, like that was our karaoke for the day. You that got me. Was... To, you got me to actually get through that. I'm just saying, without losing my breath. I'm that was prepared. great. I was like, but think about that. Like, but that's how you felt about love. Like when you looked at your boo, your oh, that was the, that was the song. That's the you song know? that you. That's the like I wrote. A, I remember writing a poem to Trisha. Of course, a poem, right? And I used all love, I used people's love songs. I didn't use the lyrics, but I used the titles of love songs, like "Come Be My Homie," "Love a Friend." Mm -hmm. And I was doing that. But the, the, what started was the "All I Need," and this was the song. And to this day, like hearing all all I need, that's our song. And so it's like for me, that embodied like you going. That's like when we say "ride or die." I know people use that term, but it's like that's my baby. And regardless of what's going on. Like, my goal was to make sure I provided everything for her. And when she talks about, you know, and, you know, living in a fat-ass crib with thousands of kids, I didn't want a thousand kids, but I knew early on and right from the start of work, and I told her what I wanted to get, what I wanted to achieve, and what I wanted to make sure. What she, because I looked at her giving up. She was in college at the time when Deja was born. And when she moved into motherhood, she just went right into work and taking care of, you know, start. she pretty much started her career right after that in banking and so mm -hmm. that being what it was and doing what she did i felt like she sacrificed something so to in my mind i was willing to sacrifice whatever so that she could have whatever she needed mm -hmm. and so when the, the lines of the song did matter to me they mattered to me because while it didn't dictate you know what the relationship was going to be it embodied what i envisioned the relationship being yeah now see this is where we separate this song was awesome but my husband's song was Big Pimpin', okay? So you can't really take Big Pimpin' <laughs> and, turn it, into and turn it into a love song, okay? True, 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 so, true, true. you know, I always laugh because, you know, you, you go through the early part of the 90s, you know, where the music was kind of mixed up and you had, you know, like I always say, 88, rap in 88. Like, that was just amazing because everything that was coming out was just great, but it wasn't geared towards woman per se it was more like it was more of what you had and what mm -hmm. you were doing and then like as we got to towards the late 90s then more of the female aspect kind of kicked in not female rappers but just everybody was talking about your bitch your hoes your you know mm -hmm. as we kept going mm -hmm. and this particular song didn't give you that feeling like when you heard it it made you feel like that's what your new love was going to feel like yeah, that was yeah, it exactly. was us we would do all a die mm -hmm. all day you know, so I laugh because then, you know, I'm looking around. One, I listen to, I told you, I listen to everything. I mean, I think at this particular time, I was probably into a tribe called Quest because that's kind of where I was at in my stage, you know, because I was, because I, I really fell into like conscious rap. That's you where your, I was. Left your wild and El Segundo. You know, so you I was, that's where it. I was there, or I was probably listening to, I'm sure, Celine Dion or something. But, oh, pause. Because I like how you like to say they, they were conscious rappers, but I know, understand, but, that song, but not just that, but we can get down, we, we, we can get down. And there was so many songs, Fife My Dog, buddy. Fife, yeah, Fife Dog, that was they like that was a uh, Jungle Brothers, that was Jungle Brothers, but even the conscious rappers still were into booty, yes, they were, 
But I like the beats. Let me say the music. It was slower for me. No, but I, no, they were conscious rappers, but they were the same ones who put out the J, the I, the M, the, the M, M, the Y, y the J, the I, the M. It's Jimmy. What? what? I'm just saying. So I mean, I even say, the conscious rappers knew. Look, they just did it a little bit cleaner, huh? For the, it, it was funny, right? <laughs> Earlier today, I wanted to hear Donna Summers, and I don't listen to "Love to Love You, Baby" because. That's a real sexual song. You be like, I don't need to be in the car by myself That's listening to song, this. Yeah. It is by the time she finished, you like, I need to go home. It's, I, I'm in love too. <laughs> but I was listening to, wanted to just hear her music because I just love it. And I was thinking to myself about the podcast and just being in love. And ninety five percent of the songs that we listen to, no matter old school, new school, love, relationships of some kind, you mm -hmm. know. And it's just the perception of how it's taken or what's going on. But let's not pretend everybody was interested in smacking and getting booty. Like it did. Like even the ones who made you feel like it was great, but you were like, "Oldest Redding, like Stevie Wonder, who like everybody's like he's such a conscious singer." I'm like, "Can you literally listen to Stevie? Stevie be smashing. He got." Children on top of children on top of children. You're moving too fast. I'm sorry. Let, let me pull I you back. back. Pull you I'm back. coming back. So, so let's, 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 as sorry. we talk about love, communication, and connection. Yes. So really. So let's, let's, let, let me ask you this. So okay. let's, let's start off. Let's talk about one of the things we wanted to. So we, we talked about music and the impact of music. You had music. You had movies. You had all of these different things. But as we were coming up, when we talk about love and starting love at an early age, mm -hmm. like you, you referenced the the a different world episode you know you represent you represent yeah, a different represent. world was really the first time I saw what I thought black love should look like different from the Cosby Show because they Be were old but it wasn't because they were old one my dream is to look as good as Felicia Rashad no I ain't saying that I'm talking but, about old in age just, they were yeah. they were a, an accomplished but couple I, when, but you're, I like when you're young teenagers when you you were teenagers where we were from see, seeing the kids on a different world the college campus. They weren't so far removed, even though they were educated. And even if you were coming from the city, the, the parts of you that could relate to the, the, them being somewhat trying to be hip or cool or whatever it was. Yeah, they were but trying. I think it was more for me. It helped that there were so many people who looked like the people in my community. It was, you know, like whenever you watch the Cosby show, of course, you had like the black family. But then when they went outside of, you know, all their friends the different families, if it wasn't the mom and the dad or the grandma and the grand granddad, it was like, when you think about sitting around the table with all your friends, not black, white or anything, just the love language matches. And I think for me, and for a different world, it was more of me seeing the situations that I was going through at the time with my then boyfriend. So the breakups, that when you're angry, the miscommunications, the the reuniting, you know, sort of way. Mm -hmm. And at that, and with us, because he went off to college and I didn't. Mm -hmm. So when he went off to college, he decided he wanted to break up and find a college girl. Mm -hmm. So like with us, we've had times where, you where he fun. was, mm -hmm. was very different than where I was. Copy that. You know, and the, the question of love. So like, you know, I think for me, like, one of our biggest things, and he always says, he was like, you changed after that. Like, before, when we started dating, he was 13, I was 14. 
He's I'm in February, he's in September. And I didn't know how to hold back. Because when you're that young, A, you shouldn't you probably shouldn't even be doing anything. Yeah, but say, yeah, but you so. you're you're so very innocent in the way you love for what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. So for whatever a fourteen year old had to offer, you know, I looked at him as a very to be more things than he was ever capable of and vice versa. So we kind of like stoked, we kind of kept each other stoic through all the storms that we were going through. And our love built from that, but you could see like little breaks in it throughout time. I would get angry and blow up. He wouldn't respond or vice versa as we got older. And our relationship really changed when he went to college because he got to be in a different world than I was. Cool. You know, I'm still gonna pull you back one more. Why? Because I want to ask you. No, no, I'm not pulling you back because you're saying anything wrong. I wanted to ask you a specific question. Like, I don't want to so, back. no, you don't want to come back. But as you're doing it, because I think there are parts of I'm pulling you later. I think there are parts of the love story that you're telling. And as we talk about communication, because one of the things we're going to try to draw from this podcast is while we're talking about our experiences, the goal of having this conversation is for people to think about their love experiences, their love walk, and their how they communicate with their significant others mm-hmm. or the potential to deal with certain different individuals and the connections that they're building in their lives. And so my question would be, who taught you how to love? Like when did, when you, like as you were coming up, you saw that episode, but I would ask, so in seeing that, was that episode what taught you to love? Was there a specific person or just could you explain the thought or concept of love happening in you even at that young age not just because of your relationship with Kenny but just your thoughts and your views of love as you're entering into that because mind you my thought process is is the that it's rare for 14 year olds and I know there are people because I met quite a few actually I know but you don't know they exist until you're one yeah exactly (laughs) that that start at that age and even when it comes to our kids we look at our children and we like nah "Nah, that's too early (laughs) Because I, I, I make references to, to about that. So my question would be, who taught you love? Who, who taught you how to love? Like, what was the process of learning love for you? So things that I remember, because I don't want to fabricate a story and come up, because I could come up with some stories, but it wouldn't be really true. Um, <laughs> things that I remember. So as long as I can remember my mother, I don't ever remember her not saying I love you or that you're smart, not smart, kind and beautiful, but like my mom was always complimentary. She always was very affectionate um, to us. She never, she always, even if she didn't really have it in her, she overextended herself for her Mm -hmm. to make sure that we felt that. But again, I had my uncle who was a part of my life and I was the first grandkid from my mom. So I was closer. I was the first grandkid from a female in the Mm -hmm, family. mm -hmm. And it turned out I was, other than my sister, the only one that, because my mom was the only one to ever give grandkids to other two girls, never had kids. Okay. Um, So my grandmother was a part of it. And I remember being at my grandmother's house, being the kid who sat up underneath of her Mm -hmm. and learning from her. And she didn't graduate. She graduated. Well, she actually only made it to the third grade because she wound up having to take care of her family. Mm -hmm. But the amount of love that she could give came through cooking. 
So she would teach me how to cook. And you stood in the kitchen with her and I learned how to cook. And between her and my mom and my uncle, I always had a lot of emotional support mm -hmm. that um, I don't think that some other people in my area had. Yeah. You know, so that was like my initial what love felt like, mm -hmm. you know, you I know I knew what I wanted it to feel like. But as far as relationships go, I no, never well, pause on that one before you go there, because we want to I want to pause ahead. because as you're doing it, we're going to both talk about that process. So go. let's do this. Let's take a quick break and then I'll come back and tell you my version of, you know, who taught me how to love. You act like we ain't doing this. And we're back. <laughs> Go. It was an awkward pause because... Well, when you asked me the question, uh, it was funny. You asked me the question, who taught you how to love? I think one of the things I would hope people listening, especially guys listening to it, is just to kind of reflect on that question because there's so many times that as we're evolving and growing into love, loving other people and loving our significant other, that we don't think about who it was that taught us love. We don't think about those things because nurture was not, your mother nurtured you mm -hmm. and your mother was the person who took care of you. But like in my particular situation, in case my mother wasn't mean, but she wasn't all oh boy, make you feel good, stuff like this. It was, she was a single mom. She worked, she took care of things. I had certain responsibilities when I was young. You had to, you had to just make life happen. You, mm -hmm. So you were just trying to take care of things. Yeah. So I think, understanding like who taught you love i think that's really really important and especially being a father of three daughters now i think it's very important when having those discussions with when i talk to different individuals it's funny because like when it comes to my my daughters now i had someone ask me just today are you one of those overprotective fathers who do this i said no nah. i said my goal is to be the best example i could be for them not the perfect example for them, but be a realistic example of mm -hmm. this is there have been times when we've Trisha and I've had, you know, blow ups and, and arguments. And as we've had those 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 arguments, I would say to my daughters, it's like, you know what? While I, you know, I said, I'm glad you see this so you can see how we work through this. I want you to understand how we work through this process of not just disagreeing. But being very upset with someone yeah, else, so they can but see we, real what, what, emotion exactly, like. and, and and how to work through it so that we could be okay. So I want them to. That's a part a part of the process of understanding how to love. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. While I didn't have that, those were things that I learned. I read about. I you know watched things. There was different things to kind of teach me get to get to that place of how to love. And so I think I would want. I would hope anyone listening to the podcast would just take a moment to just kind of reflect on you know, that question, especially men, how, how to love, who taught them how to love and, you know, kind of walk themselves to the steps that I just had the opportunity to walk through of looking like, you know what? Nobody actually taught that to me. And you can see how it contributes to some of the dysfunction that you have in your own life mm -hmm. and that you cause in other people's lives. And the flip of that, or not even the flip, just to kind of carry that thought, from a female's point of view, so if your mom teaches you how to love, right, mm -hmm. and I'm the first daughter, okay? So, mm -hmm. like, I told you, my mom told me, you light skin, you need to be smart, 
Your looks don't mean shit. People gonna look at you and think you're easy. So like, you gotta buck up. So I was built to be a strong black woman. That's a syndrome that all of us get stuck in, but you can't mm. afford to, you know, at that time you couldn't afford to like not train your child. You know, now I can, I can do that. I can give my kids space to be them and feel sad and try to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. But she was struggling by herself. So there was no room for quote unquote, the weak child. You, you had to get yourself together. Yep. There was no time to sit around. So like, for me, learning how to love a man was completely different mm. than what I know what love looks like. Yeah, how about Okay? Mm -hmm. So, like, for me, love looked like what I set up the man to look like because I just would put a man in the space of addition. Yeah. But it was not like I knew what it was like to love a man because even though my uncle was a man, in my eyes, it was on Stacy, And he didn't have a gender. He was very fluid in my life. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, we lived our lives without gender for a long time. But then as you grow mm -hmm. and you start to meet people, you realize that you don't know what it's like to have the love of a male companion because females taught you how to love. It's a very different kind of communication that right, women true. have or right, the true. dominant, the dominant person in the masculine, in the, um, the passive person is, is just one of those things. You know, it's the difference of when a man raises his voice and you're not used to hearing that tone. Mm -hmm. It is some kind of fear and anger that it sets in you because you don't know what it means. Because the only time you ever heard a man raise his voice was when he was angry and going at your mom or angry and going at uh, somebody in the neighborhood mm -hmm. or something violent was happening after the anger happened versus just having a father expressing himself. Exactly. You know? So I think for me and the way um, love looked, love looked like <laughs> like a Ken doll. You could kind of flip the hair. You know, the skin stayed the same, but the hair could be different. It was never like a particular male because there was no male to give that love to. Sure. I knew what it was like to love a brother because I had a little brother, mm -hmm. but completely different than the feelings that you get now that I understand and I can Copy look back. You know? Mm -hmm. So let's so let's transition to this is this is a uh, a funny one and and we're gonna kind of draw this you know this this draw first this first episode of love communication and connection uh, break out the tissue bitches <laughs> to a close but but this is going to be a, a nice question so or a deep question so where do you feel most vulnerable? When it comes to love, where do you feel most vulnerable or where did you feel most vulnerable when it came to love or come, you know, when you were young, where did you feel most vulnerable? When I wasn't on even playing field. So if you hugged me and I hugged you back, it was good. And if you smiled at me and I smiled at you back, I was good. But what happens when I caught you on that day where you were angry Mm. And your love didn't look like my love. Like, but I'm here and I can make you happy. And there's nothing that I can do. Because when you're young, it's you know, when you're a young kid, you're still stuck in young kid. So you do things to make other people smile. Mm -hmm. You do things to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. And when the person that you quote unquote love doesn't react the way that you think they should, 
because of you, mm. your self-worth gets caught in that. Mm-hmm. And that self-worth is the one of the most vulnerable states for me because if you don't know what your self-worth is yet, you just know that there are things that you were told that you have to do. You have to be strong. You have to be smart. You have to be kind. You have to be respectful. You have to fear God. These are things that you were told you have to do in order to be a whole person. Mm-hmm. But you were never told you have to love. You have to listen. You have to have patience. Those aren't things they talk about early. You say all that stuff in 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, you read that and kid. You fall asleep, <laughs> I got you. You be in church swinging your leg, passed out, no. But like you say, when you're a kid, that's you got that, the head None bob. of that stuff makes, makes you sense. Like, no. You're you like, no. you like, just dial me up. That's what I was on the kitty thing. That's what I had. But um, <laughs> that was my song. <laughs> um, but that's not something that you I agree. really have. So that was, for me, that was my vulnerable state. When my self-esteem became caught up in making somebody else happy. Like, I love you, and I'm trying to make you happy, and you should accept it, you know? But the problem is, is that you don't know how to ask a person what kind of love they need at that moment. Copy that. Okay. So So you. So for me, (laughs) where did I feel most vulnerable? Uh, when and In the beginning stages of my life, when it came to love, where I felt most vulnerable was uh, similar, quite similar to yours. When I was willing to show and bear who I was and it was not received, uh, it was not received. It was not received a certain or particular way. But if I showed you me and I trusted you enough to show you who I was and it was either rejected or like it was treated as nothing, that would hurt. Mm, mm-hmm. And that not that 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 hurt. And it, it was something that I would carry. And that's where a lot of my anger would come from. Mm-hmm. Because if something, and I'm talking about if it was my mother, if it was a significant other, if it was a friend, mm-hmm. that would bother me to such an extent that that's where my anger outbursts would come from. Mm-hmm. And it's something I carry in my life for a, a good long, but I still have to carry it. I still have it sometimes. I still have it to this day. You know, I, I still, there's some days so you really to, check me. Yeah, I've, I've learned to manage it a lot more now, but I still have it to this day where those that I trust and those that I love I feel I could be able, I should be able to give all of me to, mm-hmm. and in giving all of me to that individual, um, that's where I feel vulnerable when it's not accepted. What I have learned is that in this this walk and, and doing what we're doing and, and studying and reading and and gaining be- gaining better understanding is that sometimes when you're trying to give all of who you are, it's not that that person is rejecting you, but because of who they are and where they are, they can't life, accept it. They don't know how to accept it. And, and, and you know, so, that's the for me, that was like one of those biggest aha moments, but I didn't get to that moment probably until like my late 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I have three kids now. I'm married. We're living in a, a decent space and our love looks very different. And you got to listen to the next podcast to get the information. <laughs> <laughs> Good people. We want to thank you for joining us this week uh, for this podcast because um As we talk about mental well-being and mental health, a big piece of what's missing or what contributes to the breakup or the downfall of relationships is just our psyche, our mentality, and our absolute understanding of who we are and gaining more of an understanding of the people that we're in relationships with. Uh, Those things, I would say, you know, when we lack those things, 
it contributes to a lot of the downfalls and the breakups. And what we're doing right now as a brother and sister, we're exploring our journey and our walk because as we're now enjoying these phases of our relationships and our marriages, we want you, we want to encourage everyone to do the same. Take some time, even if it's spending time talking with your significant other, a brother, a sister, a friend, a therapist, a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, if you can afford, if your insurance pays for it, find someone, find some place where you could start thinking about who taught you how to love, what are your requirements for love, and where did you feel most vulnerable. Think about those things. Think about it. Don't just start from now. Try to think back as far as you possibly can and take time to walk through those because as you're walking through each one of those at those questions, you'll discover things about yourself that will not only be beneficial to you, but be beneficial to the person you love and the family that you're a part of. And remember, this doesn't just reference the person that you're sleeping with. That's right. This is regarding your mom, your uncle, your auntie, your dad, and your children. That's right. So when you are asking these questions to yourself, make sure that you are thinking about everybody that you love as a whole because a relationship is between two humans and whoever you love you need to make sure that you're having a healthy relationship so that you continue to build on that we appreciate you guys so much this is light this is lovely peace Thanks for listening to All Up In Your Business podcast with Light and Lovely. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Instagram at All Up In Your Business podcast. That's A-L-L-U-P-N-U-R-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S podcast or personally at Light In Your Biz, L-I-T-E dot N-U-R-B-I-Z or at Lovely Brown, L-O-V-E-L-I-B-R-O-W-N or on Facebook, just search for All Up In Your Business. Please leave us a review on the podcast you're listening to. We appreciate your support. Peace. Your sibling, and it's like, man, this is some good stuff because there are so many things. You make me laugh whenever you do that because you know how you should do it when I'm not looking right now. <laughs> it's too late, it's too late. <laughs> but I, I think that I know it's just being brother and sister having these discussions allows for an opportunity to be even more vulnerable because there's no I don't I don't feel like I have to have a filter and so I don't have I don't feel like I have to hide it but but not just not just with you because it's a trust because to me I can be blunt or honest about whatever I want to talk about but where I find safety in our conversations is the fact that I trust me with you. And so being able to have these discussions as we're thinking back and reflecting, my thoughts go to like, wow, I, you know, that I've talked a lot about that wild period of my life when I was 16 years old before, not realizing the 16 thing, it was 17, <laughs> but I remember talking, well, years. Yeah, I remember talking about that period. And when you're talking with guys, it's like, now it's like laugh, like yo, I was wild as a mug. And, but as I sit here now and think about it, I remember just how unhappy I was. Mm-hmm. And that was not a good place for me to be, even while I was going through that. And it's like, it's like, and I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm actually glad I had that period in my life because what it did was it set the, the, the stage for me. 
because I've not lived a wild period like that in my life since that time. I've not had that period of, yo, he just wilding out and he's just bouncing around. That's not, I'm thankful that that's not been me. Mm -hmm. And so, and, but experiencing that and experiencing the sadness or the unfulfilled, like how that, that, that not having that, that love or that relationship gap filled because of those experiences it taught me a lot. It taught me, even though I didn't realize it was teaching me much then, I knew enough that it did not make me happy. And so being able to sit with my sister and have that conversation to me is very valuable because like I say, there's no conditions. There's, there's no, there are no preconditions. I'm to the here, I look, I'm here for and you. So that's a good thing. And that's, you know, the, the funny thing is, and I've said it, I'll keep saying it because every time we talk, it helps me understand men better. You know, growing up in a female-dominated household with surrounding myself by all females, because I do know that that's a thing I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm real big to, like, cut temptation out because life just, when you're sad, sh- stupid shit happens. Mm-hmm. You know what that's I mean? Right. Yep. And it doesn't, it, the, the sad part is that the stupid shit messes up good love. Yep. You know, Agreed. and you don't know that you have good love until you fuck it up. Then you try to rebuild <laughs> it and you can't get back to that place anymore. Yeah. So whenever we have conversations, I'm like, I get excited because A, you teach me something that helps me develop as a woman mm-hmm. because it is so beautiful to be able to talk to one, a man, but gracious enough to be my brother <laughs> who cares enough about me to but it feels good to be able to talk to somebody who has love for you that's unconditional, you mm-hmm. know, because I know for me so many times in my life, I've made sure that I kept myself hidden from men mm-hmm. because I was trying to make sure that I was doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think that what it did was it really um, put a disability on my relationship. Because mm-hmm. you need to speak to somebody of the same sex of the person that you love to get an idea of what's happening. So there's no fathers. The stepfather is not a person you want to ask a question mm-hmm. to because he is not expressing love. You know, I think he has the same deficits that he, I grew up you with know? and things of that nature. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. then you, you know, so like then you and I had these conversations and we can ebb and flow throughout we can laugh we can be very serious you know and but at the end of the day it's all love Mm -hmm. you know and that's the i will say that i didn't know that i could love a brother like you and i have a different kind of love than i have with my other brother Mm -hmm. you know like i love him and i want him well stop knocking my brother i ain't knocking him (laughs) but the love that we experience with each other is very far and foreign Mm-hmm. Because he's still dealing with his life. Yes. So when you have when you keep people at a bay because you're trying to mm-hmm. deal with your own stuff, he really has done a very good job of not bringing anybody into whatever he goes through. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But what that did was it disabled us being able to learn from each other. Love has to be worked on. Yeah. Love has to be worked on, and and, and preparation for this podcast and the preparation for. You know the, our upcoming conversations on you know mental mental well being within relationships. Um, what I, the one thing I discovered and one thing that was repeated over and over again is that 
while the emotion or the feeling of love may be something that sparks in the beginning of any relationship. I needed more than that, though. What, what happens, what goes deeper when you were talking about our brothers is what, 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 and just like that's for all of us, we can have an absolute feeling of love for anybody in our family. But in order for that love to continue to develop and grow, as you mature, the person that you're in that relationship should be maturing with you yeah. if that relationship is going to reach a deeper level. So when you talk about what we share, I think it's because we've had these opportunities to not just read material, but to have conversations and have those aha moments and like, hmm. But as you're reflecting also on because things. we're both transparent. Right, true. You know, and mm-hmm. that's but that's with any relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. When you have transparent relationships and when you have people who you can have a conversation with and the pause is for thinking and not the lie, it really changes the conversation. So for me, that's just my thinking. You know, I like having conversations with people who just like whatever the first thing is to come out. Cool. I'm OK with that. I don't take offense to people telling me what's on their mind. Mm -hmm. What I do take offense to is deceit within the love. I don't care for that. But, you know, that's a whole nother show.